Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. back with the seventh inning stretch podcast myself and justin it's the holidays are over the new year is here 2016 happy 2016 justin how are you doing my man i'm doing all right fighting off a cold but doing all right you know starting to got cold in new york for a minute starting to heat back up it's gonna be 55 degrees again on sunday and then it's gonna get cold again uh you know but i appreciate you you know toughing it out for us and, and 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 doing this man yeah i know it's so tough to uh speak to someone on the phone in a temperature controlled room <laughs> oh right on man well with that being said and all the introductions and formalities let's jump right into it man the hall of fame announced its uh two newest members yesterday officially uh george kenneth griffith jr and mike piazza uh mike piazza we're both very familiar with so let's start there i'll start with you man he's going in as a met uh, i'm sure you guys are very proud to call him one of your own and uh to be in the hall of fame mike piazza is my favorite baseball player who's who's ever lived. I mean, I, I've seen him do more than I've seen any other player do. And it feels fitting that he goes in as a Met, not slighting his time as a Dodger, just played more games as a Met. Um, signature moments, the 9-11 home run, the World Series, getting plunked by Clemens, having a bat thrown at him by Clemens, all happen in a Mets uniform. Uh, I think the splits are, it's about nine years, 962 games with the Mets, seven years, 770 games with the Dodgers. Um, a week with the Marlins, which is always kind of fun to point out the fact that he played with the Florida Marlins for exactly five games. Yeah, memorable games. Yeah. He did not homer with the Marlins. The only team that he's played for that he did not homer with. Oh, good stat. Good stat. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a season at the tail end of his career, each with uh, San Diego and Oakland. But he was pretty much he was pretty much cooked by the time he got to Oakland. Had a decent year with San Diego, still at age 37. Um, <clears throat> could not really... Could not really throw anybody out, but even then, I think the points about his defense are highly, highly are, are, are like are questionable in that I don't think his defense is as bad as some people will point out. I agree with you. As someone that played the position, I agree with you completely. The man, uh, he couldn't throw to save his life, but behind the plate, he was solid. He always made the play, and he, he blocked the plate better than anybody. Balls in the dirt, he was pretty good, actually. Yeah, and someone who hits the ball that well also knows how to call a game and knows what other other hitters are looking for. 
And if you look at the t- the Mets pitching staff from uh, when you know when he arrived through to kind of when the wheels started to fall off on those on those late '90s, early 2000s Mets teams, he handled the pitching staff really well. Got, you know, there were some pitchers who very much overachieved throwing to Piazza. I'm looking specifically at a guy like Rick Reed. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And you know what, Mike Piazza, he, he's a player that for me, a lot of things come to, to mind with Mike Piazza. A little bit of anger. He slided the Dodgers in the media before, said a couple of things that weren't too polite or, or pleasing or, or flattering about the Dodgers and stuff. But Mike Piazza always got me out of my seat as a kid at the Ravine when we would go. He was my little brother's favorite player. And when he left to the Mets, my little brother became a Mets fan and, and he's been along for the ride ever since. So Mike Piazza really does have a big impact in this city and in this town. And it does shape a lot of people of our generation and, and how we enjoyed baseball. And it, you know, like for my brother's sake to, to be a, a Mets fan after he left and to follow him, that shows the impact, the significance of how important he was to the Dodgers in that time too. Oh, he's an absolutely great player. And he opens up the door to, I think probably the next guy who you'll see get inducted as a catcher, Pudge. Oh yeah. Pudge, probably one of my favorite players. He, he could do it all behind the plate and his defense and his arm was spectacular. Pudge definitely, you know, the offensive part of Pudge's game wasn't as good as Piazza's, but he made up for it in, in every other part of, of his game, I think. Yeah, and it's not exactly as if he was a bum offensively. He was still a very good offensive player. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, but now let's, uh, let's move on to talk about the kid. What a player. What an absolute, what an absolute stud of a player. The best player I've ever seen play with my with my two eyes. You know, he came to Dodger Stadium once when I was a kid, and then I remember uh, when, when he was on the Mariners still, him and A-Rod, and uh, I remember there was a moment in that game. I'm never going to forget that game because uh, Mark Cruz Lalonic, uh, uh you know, he hit, a, he hit a home run. It was basically a home run, left center. You saw the off the bat, the kid turns around, he starts his gallop, and he starts to run full speed. And then you, you stand up because you have a feeling that he's going to catch that ball. He gets to the wall. He goes up with ease, stands there, climbs it, scales it, comes back with the ball, flips it up in the air like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. Routine for him. And it was... It's spectacular. It captivated my imagination as a play, as as a young man. I played center field for a lot of years before I, I developed into my grown man body and, and moved behind the plate because I was really slow once I got older and put on some weight. But I, I loved Ken Griffey Jr. I modeled my game after him, and it, it was a shame I wasn't left-handed. That's how I felt when I was a kid. He had just one of the most beautiful swings I've ever seen. It was a, it, it was it, it, he has one of the two best-looking left-handed swings I've ever seen. The other one is Will Clark, but Kegrafy Jr. was just such a transcendent player. The only knocks I can think of on his game are two one thing, two things he really didn't have any control over. One, that his body broke down at age thirty, which no, you can't control when your body's going to break down. I still had some good seasons after age thirty, but they were scattered. And then two, that that Mariners team, that great Mariners team with him and A Rod and Buner and Edgar. And Tino Martinez, before Tino went to the Evil Empire, didn't win a title. Yeah, that is a shame. It was one of my favorite teams, man. Uh, I remember watching them growing up in ESPN primetime and, and, and just watching them regularly and, and enjoying all of it. Edgar Martinez, it's for me as a player that should be in the hall. Uh, players of that ilk, even Jay Buhner is a player that, you know, he, he, he's not exactly on that caliber. But for me, he stands out, like you mentioned, as a player that, that was really good and a really key member of that team. Yeah, well, if you ever want to see the greatest possible feel on Jay Buhner... 
Frank Costanza yells at the caricature of George Steinbrenner, played by Larry David in Seinfeld, for trading uh, Jay Buhner. It's, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite hysterical, you know. I can't really do it any justice because a, you know, yelling like Frank Costanza will force me to completely lose my voice at this moment. <laughs> yeah, and we'll the, spare you. I can't do his voice. It won't be funny. <laughs> Oh man! But I want to ask you something about the kid and then and, and getting in ninety nine point three percent. Are you surprised it wasn't unanimous? Or what are your thoughts on the three people that didn't vote for him? Oh, it's the same thing. I have the same thoughts of. I, I have the same kind of thoughts about the Hall of Fame every single time. I hate the sanctimony of baseball writers, right? Yeah, Ken, for sure. Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. should be in there unanimously. Tom Stever, the previous record holder, because Ken Griffey was the is now the record holder for the highest induction percentage. Tom Seaver at 98.84. Who was voting against Tom Seaver when he was up for it? Who's voting against Babe Ruth when Babe Ruth was up for it? I mean, come on. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. Like, that's the one thing that drives me nuts about this whole, oh, I can't give this guy first ballot. Who were the guys who, in the course of the last three years, changed their vote from saying, Mike Piazza's not in for me. He's not a Hall of Famer to me. To, yeah, Mike Piazza's waited three years. Now he should be in. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, and we're seeing an increase in a lot of players, even the Bonses and the Clemens. Like their their coming percentage is going way up, and, and it's really it's it's insane how how people are flip flopping in the matter of a year. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens both should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, yeah, they both should be. It makes no sense to me that they're not. Yeah, I, I mean. They have achieved all you could achieve, really. And Barry would have gone in before, you know, he, he moved to San Francisco, even in any of the roids. Barry was one of the best players I've ever seen, too, especially in his time in Pittsburgh and his, his early years in uh, in San Francisco when he was all natural. But I don't know. I mean, and, and Clemens, I'm sure Clemens, you know, for a lot of years wasn't on the juice either. And he was competing at the highest level and blowing people away regularly, man. So I don't know. I mean... They still achieved in an era where everyone was juicing. So what does it really matter? Yeah, just like Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs in an era where black people weren't allowed to play Major League Baseball. They're protecting the, sancti- they're, they're protecting the sanctity of something that wasn't sacred to begin with. Absolutely, man. I couldn't, do, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I have a couple other questions. Maybe next year's Hall of Fame, Tim Raines. They believe it's his last year on the ballot. Hopefully he gets in. I think he deserves to be in. And Jeff Bagwell's another that was really close and really missed out this year that I'm hoping gets in next year as well. What are your thoughts on those two, man? They both should be in. Absolutely both should be in. Reigns, I remember watching very, very vaguely growing up because his prime was roughly around when I was – probably about five to nine. So I, I very, very vaguely remember him. But looking at his stats, he he's in a situation where people don't really understand, like really give him credit for how good he was during his peak five-year period and then how long he was able to extend his career. And the fact is, he's got a ring as a member of the Yankees. He's got the highest... Uh, stolen base success percentage of anybody ever with over 500 steals, which is extremely impressive. And he was a plus defensive outfielder. Like he should be in the hall. If if a guy like that's not in the hall of fame, you're doing it wrong. I agree 100%. And how cool would it be to have a, you know, an expo in there? There's already one. I know, but now in the era that they don't exist anymore, that'd be, that'd be great, dude. That would be great. And the other, and I think Reigns partly suffers from once again the whole sanctimony of sports writers because of the fact that he had a drug problem early in his career. 
Yeah, I mean, but, but he's not exclusive to that. I'm sure many of these people in the Hall of Fame did. I mean, it's just part of growing up and part of life. People dabble in things and they do things they're not so proud of. You know what I mean? It's something that happens. Yeah, I mean, show me show me a lot of people in pop culture who did not do cocaine in the 1970s. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Bagwell is one of those guys who, like Piazza, is going to wait longer than he should have just because of the thought that maybe this guy did PEDs. Even yeah. though there's no hard evidence. I agree. I mean, Bagwell was one of those players that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, every time the Astros were on, I would watch the Killer Bees, him and Biggio go to work and go to town. And he was a big piece of that, a, a key member, a key part of that. When, when the home run derby and the All-Star game was at Fenway and he was hitting bombs in Fenway. You know, that's one of the most memorable home run derbies to me. And Jeff Bagwell was a big part of that. Oh, it was great. Also, the you know, there's also the side story in that one of Bagwell originally being a Red Sox farmhand. And a Boston native traded for Larry Anderson to try to get the Red Sox to relief farm. And Landers, Anderson blows up. Bagwell becomes Bagwell. And then next year, there's a few interesting first-timers on the ballot. Vlad Guerrero. Has to Man- be in. Has Manny, to be in. Manny Ramirez. Has to be in as well. I don't care anything you say about Manny Ramirez and Manny being Manny and PEDs, this, that, and the third. Manny Ramirez, best right-handed bat probably I've seen in my lifetime, for sure. He, he's definitely I'm, – I'm trying to think, basically, who else can I think of who's a right-handed bat as dangerous as him? And the only guy I can think of is Miguel Cabrera, who's like Manny Light. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, as far as hand quickness, you know, he had really quick hands. And other than that, maybe Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield had some wicked quick hands, man. Oh, and the most violent swing I've ever seen. Yeah. It, yeah. In his brief time with the Dodgers, he was really good to watch and really fun to watch uh, on a nightly basis because the how he can swing like that all the time and so consistently was was amazing without injuring himself. I, I actually um, saw Gary Sheffield's 500th home run in person. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. He was, he, was, he was a member of the New York Mets at the time. Well, we've shared quite a few ball players, I think, over time, man. Yeah, yeah. So let's go to the offseason then because there's been some interesting stuff going on. And funny that we're talking about the amount of money being thrown around with what the stock market's done in the last four days. But no, no place better to start than with the richest contracts ever awarded to pitchers. Zach Greinke, six years, $210 million to Arizona. David Price, seven years, or seven years, two hundred and ten million to Boston. Yeah, um, Price. I don't think shocks me that much. Boston seems a good fit. They have the money. They're a team with, uh, you know, steeped in tradition. Um, he's a pitcher that is he, he's familiar with the AL East. He knows what he's getting into. He knows the ballpark. He knows it all. I think that's a good fit for him, and I think he's going to be quite successful there. Uh, Grinky is a soft, sore subject for me. Um, I wanted him to stay, but at the amount of years that he wanted and, and the price that he, I'm kind of glad we didn't go for it because at the back end of that contract, it's probably going to be really bad. But I mean, for the Diamondbacks, kudos to them making an aggressive run and really trying to make a significant impact on their club and, and, and in the in, in the NL West. So I can only tip my hat to them, and that only made their ball club better. I don't know how they're going to be able to pay um, Goldschmidt in a year or two when his contract's up, and, and Pollock when his contract's up. So there's a few questions stuff that this uh, is going to you know for the future for the Diamondbacks. But it's a move I like in the short term for sure. Yeah, I mean that's a move that real the Granky one specifically. That's a move that has to work out with them winning a title. Otherwise, they're really going to set themselves back quite a ways, especially also given the comparative youth of Pollock, who I think is 28, 
and Goldschmidt, who I believe is 28 as well, versus Greinke, who's a 32-year-old guy going into his age 33 year. Now, I don't think the back end of that deal is going to be as bad maybe as I think the last I think the last three years of the price deal are actually worse just because of the fact that Price's big reliance is the differential between fastball and changeup and is much more of a power pitcher than Greinke, who definitely is more of a I can put a ball wherever I want type of guy. Yeah, Greinke's definitely, you know, Maddox with a little bit more on it, I think. And and that works to his benefit. Any ballpark really will do for him and stuff like that. So I think is going to be fine. But like you said, the back end, do, I, I, I want to ask you, do you know if there's any options on any of these two deals? Price has an opt-out after year four. Okay, okay. Which I don't see why on earth he's going to opt-out after that point because at 34 – if there's any if there's any sign of any decline in his game at all, you don't opt out of that one bit because you know, that's a lot of money you're, you'd be leaving on the table, and who knows if you're going to get that you know that money again. On the other hand, if you're holding up really well at age 34, take it and see what you can get. I just don't see how he. I just don't see that that the opt out in that deal is ever used by Price. Right, right. I, I was more curious on like if the Red Sox had that option, but I see. Yeah, no, you yeah. got to you got to stick that out if your price. I think you're, we're going to have to see him do that for sure. Yeah, Granky has no. I don't think there's any sort of optionality on Granky's contract. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but they're both they're both interesting deals. They both definitely. I don't know how much either deal shifts the power base in their divisions. It does make it more interesting though, and it'll make it funner on the weekends for sure. When you're yeah. watching the Yankees and the Red Sox, and you got Price on the bump, or you're watching the Dodgers Diamondbacks at uh, at the Ravine, it's gonna you know make it a little bit more interesting. That's for sure. That's right, but I still think that Price, even with Price, the Red Sox are so far away from competing for the AL East that it's uh, that I just don't see how it works because they still have a lot of dead weight in that lineup and on the infields and. In the outfield, there, there's there's a lot they need to fix. Yeah, that no, I for haven't sure. seen fixed. There's contracts they need to dump. There's a lot of moves they need to make, and then you know they're gonna have to eat a lot of money, even you know shipping some of these guys out. Granky makes. I mean, the NL West is gonna be a war of attrition next year. Yeah, it is. It is for sure, man. Yeah, and then you have the Rockies. Yeah, well, you know who might who might win 35 games next year now. You got to feel for them, man. Absolutely, got to. It's such a beautiful ballpark. Such a terrible team. Awful, awful team. But San Diego also is a little bit questionable, but still has some. San Diego could finish five hundred and could finish twenty games below five hundred, and neither would shock me. But with those uniforms, they're number one in my heart. I'll tell you what. They are pretty damn great. I'm glad they brought that brown and yellow back. Yeah, just the. Uh, I mean, I get the whole military Sundays thing. I hate it, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, su- I support the troops. I don't support those camos. <laughs> I think I agree with you, man. Yeah. But now going to some other, some other signings. Uh, the big ones are basically just everything that Theo Epstein has done in Chicago. Yeah, They're, absolutely. That, that's a team in total win-now mode. Yeah, and they're and I'm pretty sure they're going to do it like the Royals. Their windows now, and they really go, they really went for it, and are going for it in this short window. And I think the Cubs are doing the same, and it's good on them, man. They deserve that. They do. I don't want to see them win, but they do. Well, I don't think neither of us want to see them win, but it's it'll, the reality. it'll mean that they've prospectively gotten by one of our teams. <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but I mean they're doing all the right things. You can't blame them. 
Yeah, no, I think they're just trying to make next year's NLCS more interesting as to when they lose in six instead of four to us. <laughs> That's big talk, my friend, big talk. I don't actually believe it. Oh, I know. Well, let's talk about it. Daniel Murphy, he's out the door. Tell me, how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like... He- Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He is going to have a few big hits for Washington against the Mets in the regular season, and he's going to make a few boneheaded fielding errors that'll cost the Nats games. Just going back to what the Nats have maybe done as a whole, I don't see how... I'm actually kind of glad at how little they've done losing... Losing Zimmerman to Detroit, which is something we should talk about in a minute as well. But I don't—they haven't done anything. No team in the NL in the NL East has done anything, including the Mets. But going on how the entire power of the division is distributed, it makes me feel a bit of stasis. Makes me feel comfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I could see that. As long as you're sitting on those arms, man, you got nothing to worry about. I think. Exactly. That's that's my philosophy. Even though I think that. You know, the Wilpons are being very, very cheap, especially with all that postseason revenue that they had. But that shouldn't shock you. I mean, that's not that surprising from that 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 group. Oh, no, it doesn't shock me at all. And that's the amazing thing. The Mets lost in five games in the World Series. But the way in which this is done, the Mets got every possible outside a game five and seven in the NLCS or game six and seven in the NLCS. They got every possible home gate that they could. So that's like an extra $60 million in revenue. Granted, it's going to probably pay back some of their Madoff debt instead of actually being reinvested into the team, thus hoodwinking fans. But uh, that's a lot of money that they should have to spend that they're just not. Yeah, that is a ton of, that's a ton of cash, man. Absolutely a ton of cash. Uh, I, I mean, on the other side, my Dodgers are, are actually doing some things, signing pitchers. Uh, Scott Casimir is a move I like. Uh, he's not premier, but he's right under that. And I mean, I'm, I'm very fond of that. But you guys don't need a premier arm. You just need complimentary arms because you have already have the premier arm. Yes, absolutely. And then we, today we signed uh, a Japanese pitcher, Maeda. I think that's yeah. how you pronounce that. Um, the only thing there is he has some elbow concerns and uh, we gave him eight years and it's kind of concerning. And even he's kind of acknowledged that he does have some issues, but that it's never held him out for too long. And that's still not something you want to hear, I don't think. Yeah, my only question for you is with your staff right now, do you think it's too left-handed? I think it's too left-handed. Uh, personally, yes, at least until McCarthy comes back. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to rely on it. Like you said, Kershaw counts as if you can have a switch-hitting pitcher, that would be him because it doesn't matter. He's going to mow you down. 
Um, after that, then yeah, I do. But Casimir is good enough to get both out, I think. And, and and if we get a healthy Ryu back at some point in the year, I think we have a lot of depth in that position. And, and it's something that's only going to benefit us. I think we were too thin last year and, and we used a lot of arms that weren't of the caliber of, I think, uh, where we stood as, as a ball club and, and as a club, to be honest. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. It's just, you know, I think that you need to show <clears throat> righty, lefty, a lot of... I, I feel like the, the way to win right now is to show so many different looks from right-handed and left-handed pitching that actually right now, if you have a soft-tossing righty, teams won't know what the hell to do anymore. No, I, I, I couldn't agree. I, I actually was talking about... to so a buddy, uh, I was talking the same thing. I was like, you know what, dude? Everything's about changing sight, changing perspective, changing speeds, and then the shifts, and everything's so broken down that now, like... If you just dumb it down a little bit, if you put, uh, you know, Roan Gardner from, uh, from uh, uh, what movie is that? The Cubs, the Cubs kid. Rookie, rookie, rookie of the year. year. Yeah, he'd, blow, he, he, he'd win the Cy Young right now. P- uh, post-arm injury, Henry Roan Gardner. Cy Young Award winner, 2016. So another, another question for you then. What do you think of the Jordan Zimmerman to Detroit deal? Getting $160 million. I think it's a lot of money. Um, pitching costs a premium. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a little much, but I mean, you're going to run with it if you're Jordan Zimmerman. His agent deserves all the kudos in the world. And I mean, the, the, the Tigers are really banking on him to be that complimentary piece. And they're banking on Verlander to still have something in the tank. So, I mean, it's a gamble they're taking They're but hopefully it'll pay off for them. Cause you know, their window's really closing really fast. I don't know. It kind of strikes to me like playing Russian roulette with five, five, um, bullets in the uh, the chamber. <laughs> that I mean, bad, huh? That bad. He's a, he's a good pitcher, but are you really giving a number two starter who's not like you know Zach Greinke would be nominally a number two starter, but would be the ace on twenty seven of the you know uh, twenty seven major league teams. Now, are you telling twenty seven out of thirty teams Zach Greinke would be their ace? Are you telling me that Jordan Zimmerman, who's probably like now at this point probably one of the top five to seven paid pitchers in baseball is uh is one of the f- top five to seven pitchers in baseball no no is he I, no I, no he's not he's not he's not but he has one of the top five to seven agents in baseball i'll tell you that much absolutely does i wonder if scott boris represents him i don't know i don't know off the top of my head but it it sure seems like it i'll tell you what he he loves to take the tigers money absolutely so the other hallmark of this offseason has been the slow-developing outfield market. Yeah, yeah. I would have expected, you know, Suspedis to be picked up. I would have expected some moves to have been made and stuff like that. And it just seems really quiet, really dormant. Um, I don't know. It's kind of surprising, to be quite fair. I mean, there's some huge names still out there. I mean, obviously, Hayward got a lot of money from the Cubs, and he was going to be the first to go. Deservedly so, because not, 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 not necessarily because of production, but because of age. Hayward is only 26 Feels like he's been in baseball for seven years, but that's because he has, because he debuted at 19. But uh, he's, um, you know, he got 160, 108, no, sorry, 184 million over 10 years. So he got a lot of money, and he's, he's worth it. Yeah, going into his prime, barely, you know, 26 baseball, that you're barely hitting that, you know, your prime, and that's going to just benefit him, benefit the Cubs. They're just going to be such a good ball club going forward with, with what they're building there, and it's, it's really nice to see. Yeah, and he's a player that addresses a weakness for them, which is, Put the ball in play. Yeah, for sure. And, and it weakens their main rival in the, in the Cardinals. And that's what makes this move that much more impressive that Theo Epstein pulled it off, you know? 
But then look at the rest of the outfield market. I mean, Cespedes unsigned, Upton unsigned. Those are two, you know, those are two middle of the order bats. I mean, if you're them, do you start to look at a one-year deal and try it again next year? I mean, Upton's very inconsistent. He can have a a phenomenal year next year on a one-year deal and then be the, one of the highest-paid guys on the market the following season. You know what I mean? So if you were one of them, would you start to consider a one-year deal at this point? My biggest hope is that Yoena Cespedes considers a one-year deal because that's the only way that the Mets have re-signing him. Um, I don't know. because it, it, Especially if you're Cespedes, I wouldn't do it. Just coming off – you're coming off a career year. Yes, people know it's a career year. But still, you're saying I, – I, Carried a team into the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I, it's hard to argue that what he did for you guys at the end of the last year and into the playoffs was phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, he's that, and it's a shame that you guys have to feel that that's the only way you can keep him, especially when he was such a big piece to that lineup. Well, it's especially sad when your market is New York City. Yeah, that's another. That's another good point. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I would think that there would be. I would have thought that the team that he would have been a guy who would come off the board earlier especially because there are teams that have right-handed power needs oh yeah oh yeah absolutely man there's a lot of teams that can use a, a little bit of thunder in that bat and i don't know i don't know what's you know is it the amount of years he's asking for that's really putting people off or i think it is i think it's the fact that he wants six to eight. he wanted originally eight to ten apparently he's lowered his sights to eight same thing rings true with upton uh, who's younger than Cespedes, by the way. Right, so it seems more reasonable to ask for that. I mean, Yoannis, he's new to the league. I mean, he's only been in the league for a little while, but he's not exactly that young anymore, you know? No, he's not. And there's also the fact that, especially with you know Upton and Cespedes, they're both extremely mercurial. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but then, I mean, if you look at the rest of the uh, market for outfielders, there's that second class of guys now who really have to wait on them to set the market. So, like... Dexter Fowler, Gerardo Parra, both very solid players. And then uh, a guy like a Denard Spann, who, if he's healthy, is a, is a, a very, very good top five leadoff hitter in oh, baseball. Yeah. He just signed today, actually, with the Giants. Did he? Yeah, three years. I want to say $71 million. Okay, Scott Boris is a genius. Yeah, he got a lot of money here, dude. Three years, uh, $71 million for the Giants. Uh, he's a good ball player. He's He's got all the tools. He goes and gets it, plays a really good solid outfield. He's a scrapper. You know what? He's a Giants type of baseball player, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah, but the amazing thing there is that he actually got for, if it's three, it's 71. Uh, Alex Gordon, definitely I have to then commend for taking a hometown discount to stay in KC at four at 72. I'll, I'll double-check that, but I really do believe it was 3 for 71. Yeah, I, I didn't see that piece of news, but also uh, kudos to the Kansas City Royals for basically keeping that core together, and it makes me extremely upset to see it. <laughs> I can imagine that it does. Yeah, one of the things about me is I hold grudges. 31 million. 31 Th- million. 31? Okay. Yeah, wow. That makes, wow, that I makes, misread that poorly. Yeah, that's, that's a bit off. Three, especially still, thirty-one million in guaranteed cash for Denard Span, who is coming off of a hip injury and played eighty-one games last year and is on the wrong side of thirty, is a lot of money. Yeah, it is, but I think he's going to be worth every penny, and he's going to be a thorn in my side for uh, those three years. I'm pretty sure of it. Sure, when he plays. Yeah, when he plays. When he plays, but he's he's a very good player. But then they still have guys like Dexter Fowler, who I think is a very good player. Um, 
could be a little bit more disciplined when he, you know, with, with, when he's swinging, but still like him. And then I also uh, really like Para, despite the fact that when he went to Baltimore last year at the deadline, he was basically a, a rotting corpse. Yeah, it was really surprising to see him deteriorate like that, man. Um, it w- hopefully he can bounce back, but it's not helping him in the market. I mean, out of all the guys we just named, I think he's going to suffer the most because of it. So then also just a few other guys I want to ask you about and your thoughts on where they're going. Uh, Jeff Samarja going to San Francisco. I think it's going to work for him. He's been in Oakland. Uh, the ballpark is a beautiful place, and it's a, it's a, it's cavernous. I think it's going to benefit him. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to look forward to seeing it, you know, every fifth day when, whenever we play and stuff, but I do think that he's going to thrive there, and it's going to be something good for him and good for the Giants in the long run. Uh, giving Ben Zobrist $56 million over four years at age 35. Smart move by Theo Epstein or not? I think so. I think uh, Ben Zobrist has shown that he's getting better still every year, and 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 he was a late bloomer when he came up. I think with the when we saw him with the Tampa Bay, and he's just proven to get better every year. And now I think he's getting his just due in this contract, and it's more like a lifetime achievement contract. I think for uh, for for Mister Zobrist, but I do think he's going to help them. And if they do win a World Series in the next three years, then it's well worth it. I think for sure. Uh, upgrading your infield to have Neil Walker and Estrubal Cabrera instead of Daniel Murphy and Ruben Tejada. Oh, uh, you know, I would have probably kept what I had because of defense. Uh, and with that staff, I think defense will win you more games. Uh, Murph is going to make a lot of blunders, and he's a streaky hitter. I don't expect him to do what he did in that two-week period that he did for the Mets, you know, ever again, to be quite honest. So, um I, think I don't a, think anybody's doing what he did that two-week period ever again. <laughs> so I think it's a bad move for the Nets, but a good move for the Mets? Question yeah. mark? Question mark? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm just trying to think of what else I got here as far as other things I want to... I want one that's going to be obscure, and I want to ask you about it. Uh, Brad Penny, uh, minor league contract, invited to spring training by the Blue Jays. What do you think's left in that tank? Absolutely nothing. Oh, Brad Penny. I like Brad Penny, but he hasn't approached a major league team in years. Yeah, but this could, you know, I mean, I'm rooting for the guy. I'm hoping he makes the club, and I'm hoping, you know, out of the pen, I think he could be good. I think he can give you an inning, two innings, you know, every other night and and be that middle relief guy. I don't think he's going to be... You know, a starter anymore. I don't think he's got that for sure. But oh I think God, pen, no, he doesn't have that. I think in the pen, and, and that is, you know, a veteran, you know, leadership in the bullpen. I think it could work for a certain club. And if it's not Toronto, maybe it will be somebody this year. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the next thing you're going to tell me is Matt Clement's coming back too. He might be. <laughs> don't be mad. He might be. I hope he does. I hope he does. He uh, had a bad end to his career. I don't like seeing guys have their career end because they got hit in the head. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. But uh, but Brad Penny, let me ask you a side question. Yeah. Um, wait, over under two fifty. Oh, over. Yeah. Even when he was in shape, I couldn't imagine he's in better shape than he was as a Dodger. And as a Dodger, he had to be two seventy five, man. Yeah, he was a big, big boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was thick top to bottom. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he had this big David Wells gut going or anything. But, yeah, he was a big boy. 
Between him and Chad Billingsley, I was just wondering, like, what it must be like to see those guys do squats. <laughs> yeah, those guys are definitely a, a wide base, to say the least, man, for sure. Oh, I, I forgot about the, uh, the glaring elephant in the room also. Chris Davis turning down a truckload of money from Baltimore. I don't know, man. Do you think anybody's going to give him any more than that? No, the guy hit 184 the year before this. He's really inconsistent and probably on steroids. Probably. Probably, yes. But you know what? I mean, I, I don't know who's advising him. Obviously, no one's advising him well, but that's a deal that he should have taken. He should have ripped their arm off to take it, and he should be happy that someone's even offering him that, especially, you know, Baltimore is a place where people love you and, and they've, they've proved to support you regardless of your your circumstance and your suspension or or your, your bad years there. And, and you've been inconsistent even there in your time there, and they're still willing to give you this money. you got to take it, man. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think – I mean, that is – a life-changing amount of money for like the next four generations of your family. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of money all these guys get paid is ridiculous. But yeah, especially that for for his production. Like you said, yeah, he hits the ball. He goes deep, pretty damn does, often. Pretty damn he often. Is, but fuck, he is man. a three-outcome player. One, yeah, one ninety-two or one eighty-two. We can't have that. We can't have that as a professional ball player. No, it's 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 like it's just slightly better than having like it's like a left-handed Mark Reynolds with more consistency. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. And more playing time. And then uh, the last thought I have before, and I mean, if you have any other questions too, but uh, last last thought I have. The New York Yankees now boast probably the best seven eight nine setup you'll ever see between Batantis, Miller, and Chapman, assuming Chapman will actually be allowed to play this year. Right. And, and who do you think closes, though? Chapman. Okay, so you're going seventh with Batances now. I'm going, I'm going seventh with Miller. Actually, I'm going to go lefty, righty, lefty. Oh, that's going to be good. I, I, I think I think the Yankees should trade one of them for actually for for some for something useful. Yeah, no, no, this is something I thought about too, and this is something like with my Dodgers left-handed situation and abundance of left-handed pitching. I think a, a move is going to have to be made, and I think with the Yankees, a move is going to have to be made too because I don't think that uh, unless Chapman's going to be the guy. At the end, he's not going to be happy, I don't think. No, I know. And, and the problem with that is he's going to, you know, shoot eight, hole, shoot eight holes into the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, like, that's true, too. He is absolutely out of his mind. Yeah, no, no, no. He's an unstable person, and, and it's a shame. What he's done and what he's, uh, you know, the, I'm glad the Dodgers stayed as far away from that as possible, to be quite honest. Oh, I, would, I want no part of him. I want absolutely no part of him. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Deplorable what he did and stuff. I would, I would think that that Chapman's going to be the one you, who closes a because he'll, he'll be miserable otherwise, and he can he can destroy your team. <clears throat> and B, Batances and Miller have pitched in other spots, and you know they'll they'll uh, they'll they're much more team first guys than him. But it still doesn't matter because the Yankees are putting together a lockdown bullpen for a team that won't have many leads. I also thought that uh, when they when they signed him, I thought it was a little funny because they do need a lot of pieces in that lineup to even you know have leads. Like you said, it's going to be tough for for these guys to get in the game in a meaningful situation. There's three four there's three four or five hitters next year are Carlos Beltran, Alex Rodriguez, and Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira is the youngest one of them. That would have been phenomenal like eight years ago. 
eight years ago, you're winning, you're winning back to back to back. That's what I'm saying, man. They're living in the past, but we knew when these deals were given that this was going to come. This day was going to come. Oh, absolutely. That's why you don't give that many long-term deals to a bunch of guys who are that old. Absolutely. Absolutely. But still, it seems that people aren't learning their lesson, and that's just, the market's just getting more and more inflated, and it's crazier and crazier every year. Yeah, it is. Um, I think we actually just packed a lot in, considering the fact that the, you know there's no actual baseball to be played for another 40 days. Yeah, man, for sure. And we'll get back to probably previewing each division uh, probably in the coming weeks, and we'll get them all in before uh, before spring training, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So from us here at the seventh inning stretch, Happy New Year. We hope it's a healthy one to you and your families. And uh, congratulations to Mike Piazza and Ken Griffey Jr. Congrats, y'all. Justin, feel better, my man. Bye, everybody. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 